just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Sunday, kind of a low-key day. The calm before the storm. We know the midterms are coming up on Tuesday. And between now and then, it's going to be crazy in the media. We're going to have shit thrown in our face every minute of every day trying to get the last bit of information out so either the Republicans or the Democrats can garner your votes. It's going to be nuts for a couple of days. And then on the day of the election, it's even going to be more nuts. After the election, it won't be quite as nuts, but it's still going to be nuts. And then all the other shit that's going to happen after the election, the indictments and all that stuff. We're in for a shit show for a while, so buckle in and just relax. We'll be okay, but it's going to get busy. And talking about busy, here's some good news for me, something I'm looking forward to. Later today, my youngest son will be here at our home, my oldest son will be here at our home, and my oldest son will be bringing my two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter. (laughs) And I got to tell you, There are no two people in this world, in this universe, that I think more of than my grandkids, especially my granddaughter, because she's still so little. But man, she is a force to be reckoned with. She's moving constantly, talking, talking back, and just into everything. And when I see her do this, I'm, I'm excited about it, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But what it reminds me of is when she was first born, she was very small. She was wrapped up and swaddled and stuff, and I made the comment that she looked like a uh, Chipotle burrito. She was that small. And I'm holding her, and I don't think my uh, daughter-in-law and son were all that excited about that comment, but I make a lot of comments that people aren't excited about. I think they're funny. Uh, Anyway, as I'm holding her, I'm looking at her face and her eyes are kind of moving around. And I said to my son, I said, see that look in her eye? He says, yeah. I said, I know what that look means. (laughs) He said, no, you don't. I go, no, I do. I know what that look means. I know what she's thinking. He goes, all right, what's she thinking? She's looking at me thinking, old man, you and I are going to get into some shit. And he looks kind of weird at me, and he says, that sounds like something you would say. I go, I know. That's the problem. (laughs) Well, anyway, she's grown up some now. She's two and a half years old. She's walking. She's talking. She's into shit constantly. And uh, she, in fact, has turned out to be a little bit of a handful. Now, she's she's a great kid. She's well-behaved, and she's super smart and super funny, but she's always moving. And I know this is driving my son and my daughter-in-law a little crazy because they're more laid-back people, and her brother is kind of laid-back, too. But she's just a little buzzsaw all over the place. And... Uh, One time, my my son was kind of bemoaning the fact that she's always moving, that she's not afraid of anything, that she's uh, kind of bold. And I said to my son, I said, look, man, 
Raising that girl is going to be more difficult than what you've had to do with her brother because they're different kinds of personalities. But no matter how tough it is, do not push down what she's got, the confidence, the fierceness, the uh, being unafraid. I said, because those things are going to make her a leader and going to make her a force to be reckoned with when she gets older. Don't push that down. Let her go. I mean, keep her within rules so she's safe and all that stuff, but don't crush that spirit. That spirit is the one thing that's going to make her successful and make her a special person when she gets older. He goes, how do you know that? I said, I know somebody similar to that. (laughs) He looks, he goes, Dad, I don't want her growing up like you. And I said, I get that. She's going to be smarter, better looking, funnier, and far better than anything I could do. And that's my goal here on this earth. When I was raising kids, I wanted my sons to be better than me, and I want my sons to raise their kids to be better than them. And I tell you what, that little girl is on track to be better than you. (laughs) So he just kind of smirked and and moved on. Anyway, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, My son just wanted to get out of the house with uh, his daughter, I think mom's going to stay with her son, and they're going to kind of do some special things together. So they come over here, and it's going to be a good time. It's always fun to have her over here. Um, I wanted to tell you about something else. Uh, yesterday was was kind of a different day for me. Well, not really that different. It may seem different. Um, I went to a craft expo, and I posted something on the Facebook uh, page with my picture, and I bought this little sign that says, OK, Boomer. Um, and that's funny, and a lot of people looked at it, and a lot of people were amazed that I was at this craft expo. And you really shouldn't be amazed. I've been made for thirty-nine, married for 39 years, and one thing I've learned, just do what the fuck you're told, whether you want to do it or not. It was kind of nice to get out. There was some cool stuff there. Uh, my wife and my sister-in-law and my two nieces were out walking around together and my brother and I were just kind of roaming around alone and this is weird I'm walking through this (laughs) through this craft expo and some guy grabs me by the shoulder just like in Vegas he says hey I watch your TikToks all the time and I talked to him for a bit Um, he had a similar name to a friend of mine but apparently they're not related but anyway it was nice to meet him and talk to him at the expo but my brother's there and that's the weird thing the only time i've ever been recognized for being on tiktok is when my brother is with me and of course he's standing back taking pictures of it and all that stuff cuz he's kind of into that he would like to say the things i do and probably could do it as well as i do But because he works for a big company, he's not able to do that. So he kind of lives vicariously through me in that sense. I mean, he has a perfectly wonderful life on his own over and above me. But just this part of it, being able to speak out and say the things we want to say. So anyway, I met this gentleman, great guy, nice guy. And I just think it's weird that the only time I get recognized is when I'm with my brother. And I'm not with my brother a lot. I happen to be with him in Las Vegas. And I just happened to be with him at this expo. I'm walking around every place else on my own or with my wife. Nobody says a word. But when my brother's around, I don't get it. 
I don't get it. Anyway, let's get to getting. You know, there's always been some rumors about Vladimir Putin being ill with some serious illness. And a lot of people have been making speculation about it. What is it? He doesn't look good. He seems puffy. He doesn't seem to be comfortable. He's moving slower. He's at this table 100 feet apart from other people. And so um, that's always been going around. And frankly, he does look like he's ill. Well, now some information is coming out from Russia that is kind of verifying that he is sick. Now, the good news is it sounds like he has Parkinson's degree d- d- disease and pancreatic cancer. Now, I'm not an expert on cancer or anything like that, but as far as I know, pancreatic cancer is not curable. Maybe it's treatable. Maybe you can prolong life, but I don't think you can survive it. So that's the good news about Vladimir Putin, because if there's anybody that deserves to die a painful death, if there is karma, Vladimir Putin is that guy. The faster he gets put in the ground, the better off this world is, the safer this world is. The bad news is he doesn't have ass cancer. And I would like to see him struggle with more pain before he dies. He should have to pay a price for all the havoc he's wreaked on this world. The amount of danger and death and destructions he's been responsible for. This man deserves to suffer. So we'll see how long he hangs on here. It doesn't look good for him. And uh, uh, it doesn't look good for him. And as uh, as, uh, one of my fellow followers, Muscles and Nursing on TikTok, I love this guy. He's very sharp. He knows a lot of stuff, and I love his delivery. But as as he always says, I love this for him. (laughs) That's such a petty little shitty comment, and it's perfect. Muscles and Nursing. If you haven't seen him on TikTok, you check him out because he's cool. Anyway, so a lot of people talking about the polls still. And you know what I've told you about the polls. The polls uh, um, are not trustworthy. A lot of the polls out there are derived or originate with Republicans. So they're slightly slanted. They want you to believe that there's a really close races out there. And Michael Moore and some other people, Joe Biden himself, disagree. We think that there could possibly be um, a big blue wave coming. So the question is, the Republicans know as well as the Democrats what's really happening. Why is it that they're putting out these polls? And as I've said before, they're basically doing what they call flooding the zone, getting as much of this information out. Oh, the Republicans are coming back. They're surging. They're going to win. Why are they doing that? Well, there's two reasons for them to do that. And the two reasons happen to be, first of all, they want to try to discourage Democrats, make the Democrats believe all is lost and they just don't get out and vote. And that's really kind of a desperate strategy. That's not going to work over and above making them feel dejected because they're telling us that the Republicans are winning. These people are pissed. 
As Michael Moore said, in spite of the fact it was a few months ago, women have not gotten over or reconciled themselves to this overturning of Roe v. Wade. It's not over with them. They haven't got by it. We, you know, the Republicans would want you to believe, well, they got mad at first, but they've calmed down. They're worried about other stuff like high gas prices. No, bitch. That's not the way it's going to go. I've had sisters. I've had a mom. I've had aunts. I've been married for 39 years. Women never fucking forget, especially when you hurt them badly. They are going to take it out on the Republicans come the midterms. They are definitely going to take it out on them. But, you know, there's another reason for them flooding the zone, even though they know they are going to lose. And here's the deal. And this shouldn't surprise you. They're going to flood the zone, all this information. Oh, the Republicans are doing wonderfully. They're surging. They're doing this. They're going to win this. They can't be beat here. This is setting up their other strategy of denying elections. They're going to say, well, we saw all of this stuff. We saw all of these polls, and now the Democrats win. So that must be election fraud. The other thing that you have to worry about with them claiming election fraud is the same problem we had in 2020. The way election votes are counted. On the night of the election, they have a running tally of those walk-in voters, you know, into the ballot boxes and the booths and such. Those are counted right away. And then after that fact, they start um, they start uh, counting the mail-in ballots and the absentee ballots and all of that sort of stuff. So what happens, what happened in 2020 will probably happen here, and we'll just feed into this whole election fraud thing. Um, what happens here is it gets to be late at night, 11, 12 at night, and it may look like the Republicans are winning for whatever reason with the walk-in votes. But as the night goes on and they start counting the uh, early ballots and the absentee ballots, then the Democrats will pull ahead. And they'll do exactly what Donald Trump did in 2020. Well, I went to bed and I was winning and then somehow magically I lost. So that's the mail-in ballot. So they must be fraudulent. Now, He's going to have a more difficult time trying to sell that this time around. It's one time when we're talking about a presidential election, one main election. You notice they only bitch about the presidential election in 2020. If they had people winning Senate or representative seats, they don't bitch about that. Only one that was fraudulent was the presidential election. I mean, they can't say all are fraudulent because then that would count those places they won. But there is no presidential election in this particular case. We've got senators, we've got congressmen, we've got governors, we've got secretaries of state. To actually have election fraud throughout the country in all these different states and all these different secondary um, positions, that's going to be a hard sell. Nobody has the wherewithal to fake those many votes in that many different situations. But that's not to say they aren't going to do it, and they're kind of setting things up to do that. I really think there's going to be a blue wave, and um, we know this, 
because of some of the record turnouts, which we will talk about in a moment or so. But as I told you, now that we're just days out from the election, we're seeing a flurry of activity. We're seeing people of note going to specific hot spots in this country. For example, the biggest names in U.S. politics, Biden, Trump, and former President Barack Obama, all visited Pennsylvania on Saturday, hoping to tip the balance in a pivotal midterm Senate race between Democratic Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman and Republican celebrity doctor Mehmet Oz. I really think Fetterman's going to win this pretty easily, or at least by a few points. I don't know for sure. I'm, this is just a gut feeling. I'm not a prognosticator. I'm not a psychic or a seer or a sage. It's just how I feel about it. Now, Biden said, folks, three days, three days until one of the most important elections in our lifetime. The outcome is going to shape our country for decades to come, and the power to shape the outcome is in your hands, Biden told supporters at Temple University in Philadelphia. It's a choice, a choice between two vastly different visions of America. At a rally in Latrobe, southeast of Pittsburgh, Trump listed a litany of grievances with Democrats ranging from the party's handling of inflation to education curricula, his supporters view to be too aggressive, like uh, critical race theory that isn't actually being taught anywhere. So Trump said, if you want to stop the destruction of our country and save the American dream, then this Tuesday you must vote Republican in a giant way. Trump said, Trump, who sources say is preparing to launch a third consecutive run for the White House after the midterms, uh, continues to say the 2020 defeat by Biden was a result of widespread fraud. Put him under, under oath and see if he says that. Now, multiple courts, state agencies, members of his own administration have rejected all that. But Donald Trump keeps, keeps spewing this shit. Um, now, this is where they talk about the polls show a significant number of Republican voters accept the claim, as do many candidates for Congress, governor, and state offices overseeing election administration. Trump said, we're going to take back that beautiful house. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. It's not going to be close. People always say to me, you seem pretty confident about this. And I say, I always seem confident about anything, especially when I look at the facts, and that's what the facts tell me. And as I've said before, if it ends up I'm being wrong, okay. So what? There's nothing wrong with being positive going into any kind of battle. If you aren't positive going into a battle, you shouldn't go into fucking battle. You understand? Now, if the worst should happen and you get beat, well, then you step back and say, okay, what do I do now? It's as simple as that. But I feel pretty confident that uh, we're kind of trying, they're trying to gaslight us with these polls and things. I don't think the Republicans are going to show up quite as well as they think. And you know why? Well, for example, a record-breaking early voting stretch has ended. They're done with the early voting in Georgia. 
and the two candidates in a bitterly contested Senate race are making their closing pitches in the final sprint to the election day. So they'll be talking, Warnock and Herschel Walker. <clears throat> now, the contest will, will test the Democratic-friendly drift in this former Republican stronghold. Remember, we've got two blue senators there. And that was a surprise when that all happened. And as I've said before, what have the Republicans do to regain that Senate seat? They've done nothing. In fact, they put up a very stupid, a very ignorant fucking candidate, a horrible candidate. Now, Warnock, he's in a different situation than uh, most senators. Because you remember, Warnock took the Senate seat with just two years in the turn, term. He, he finished out a term previously held by somebody else. So he hasn't gotten the six years in office. Ossoff in Georgia does get six years. He's not going to be um, up for election until 2024. But this is 2022, and Raphael Warnock, after two years, is up for re-election against this dipshit, Herschel Walker. But here's the interesting thing. They say Herschel's close on this. It's going to be neck and neck. I don't know about that. We've got record-breaking early voting in Georgia. When you get record-breaking early voting or record-breaking voting in general, that usually sides with the Democrats. And take a look at these numbers. More than 2.5 million Georgians have already cast ballots by mail or voting early in person, setting a new record. According to NBC News early vote tracker, 49% are registered Democrats, 42% are Republicans. That doesn't mean they're voting Republicans. 70% of them are age 50 or older. 56% of them are women. Now, this 2.5 million votes is about four or 500,000 more than in 2018 in that midterm. So this is interesting. Now, down the stretch, recent polls show Walker closing the gap to a statistical dead heat as Biden's low approval rating and economic pain create headwinds for Warnock and Democratic candidates. But I'm not buying that. I'm not buying it. They say they're neck and neck. But what they don't take into consideration in these polls, and I've said this before, is turnout. If the turnout is huge, unexpectedly big, that kind of changes the polls. Because who are they really talking to? Who are they actually polling in this situation? I don't think they're expecting the massive female turnout. And remember, 56% of the people that voted in Georgia in their early votes are women. That's interesting that there's 56% women. This overturning Roe v. Wade is going to have an impact that even the Republicans don't understand. And certainly the media doesn't understand because they think what women have gotten over this overturning Roe v. Wade. Trust me, they haven't. That is going to be the pivotal point in this election. Now, here's something else that's interesting. Um, 
There's also a record amount of early votes in Texas. Now, it sounds like Greg Abbott's going to win easily, but I'm not so sure that's the case. There's a lot more people coming out in Texas. You know, as much as there is a redneck faction in Texas, those people that support Donald Trump, there's a lot of people that are tired of the bullshit. You've got an electric grid that doesn't work. You've got uh, all kinds of problems with the things that Abbott has said and done. There are people that are tired of Greg Abbott, and this may be the end of the road for him. We don't know this for sure. Again, what you have to understand is anything you hear anybody say about the midterm election is pure speculation. And I want to remind you that anything I say is pure speculation. It's a matter of looking at what's going on, trying to gather the facts and figures, analyze the situation, and come up with a logical answer. But none of those answers are for sure. Certainly not in the mainstream media, certainly not by the Republican polls, and certainly not by me. That's why we have these elections, to find out for sure. I feel confident that the Democrats are going to win, but that doesn't mean it's absolutely going to happen. And that's why the next couple of days will be kind of nerve-wracking to a lot of people. But as I've said to you before, it does no good to worry about something you can't control. The past two years, we've all done as much as we can to try to get the Democratic vote. And frankly, the Republicans have done everything they can to give it to the Democrats. So I can only presume it's going to turn out well for us. And that's what I feel. And some other people agree with me. So we'll see what the hell happens. Now, Donald Trump, of course, is a problem for the Republicans. They don't want him showing up in these swing states because then all of a sudden it becomes a mandate on Donald Trump and the Republicans do not want that. But guess what? Donald Trump is showing up at all those swing states. And he doesn't go in there and support the people he's supposed to be uh, campaigning for. He's there just selling himself. And that's reminding people of what Republican votes would bring another Donald Trump. Because I'm telling you, there's a large portion of the Republican Party that don't like Donald Trump, don't want to be associated with Donald Trump, and don't want to ever see him in office again. As I've told you, we don't have to have the entire Republican Party step away from Donald Trump. We only need a percentage of them to do that. And I believe that's already happened. I've seen interviews with Republicans that say, I'm a strict conservative, but I can't vote for Donald Trump, or I can't vote for the Republicans and put our democracy at risk. And I have a feeling there is going to be a lot of those people like that. I mean, they've seen everything that's gone on. They've seen the investigations. They've heard the evidence from the January 6th committee. They've heard the evidence of Donald Trump and Lindsey Graham trying to overturn the election in Georgia. How do you think the people in Georgia feel when they hear the former president commit a crime on audio tape? It's hard to deny that. And if you're one of the base, you're not going to listen to it. You're not going to be compelled to change your vote because Donald Trump did something illegal. Because these people feel anything 
is 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 good as long as they get what they want. It's a means to an end. But there are a lot of people that see the possible possible problems for this country if we allow this to continue. As I say, we only need a percentage of the Republicans to identify this as bad and do something different than just voting Republicans all the way down the board. The one situation in Georgia I'm really anxious to see what's going to happen is Stacey Abrams running for governor. We know she ran for governor before, and she lost by just a little bit. I would think the way Stacey Abrams has come across in the media and how much support she's gotten, she's got a chance to win the governorship in Georgia. And i got to be honest with you, as somebody who bought some property in Georgia, I want nothing more than two Democratic senators and a Democratic governor. And I think the people of Georgia are starting to feel it, too. I think they're getting tired of the bullshit, and they're about ready to get some help as opposed to get nothing. That's what they get when you're a Republican. You don't get shit from the government. And when you're a Democrat, you do get some help and some assistance and some consideration. And I know the Republicans want us to believe that, well, if they just get free handouts, they're lazy. I got to tell you, if you work in this country or if you own property in this country, whether it be Georgia or anywhere, you're not a freeloader. You're paying fucking taxes. And the fact of the matter is, is if I'm paying taxes, whether it's 10 bucks or $10 million in taxes, I expect to get something in return for what I'm paying for, something. And for many years, it doesn't seem like we've gotten anything for the money we put in. The rich have gotten all kinds of things, but we have gotten nothing. And this has come from both the Republican and the Democratic side. So that's why I think this midterm is going to be a a switch in the paradigm, if you will. Things are going to change dramatically in this country. Even if the Democrats get complete control, they are going to be under the microscope and they're going to have to deliver like they promised they would. There will no, be no putting things off like, well, we can hold off on codifying Roe v. Wade. No, you can't do that. Or we can put off dealing with the Supreme Court. No, you can't. Those should be job one and job two the moment Democrats get power. And then we can work on all the other things like Build Back Better and expanding the infrastructure and doing whatever we have to do. There's a lot of work that has to be done in this country for the people and for the country itself. If the Republicans in charge, nothing will happen. If the Democrats are in charge, some things will happen. But we have to understand we're going to have to keep the pressure on. Even though they may be our guys, they are still politicians, and they will only do what they have to do. And they won't always do things for us. Democrats have proved that for decades, too. Right now, it's the expedient thing for them to do because now it gets them votes. But once they have the votes and they have the power, the real question is, are they going to step up and do what they said they are? Well, i got to tell you what, they will if we put the pressure on. 
They're looking at 2024. They don't want a Republican president in 2024. And if the Republicans rehabilitate themselves and change their focus and change their image, they have a possibility in 2024. I don't think it's great, but I think they could have a possibility. So we need to use that leverage and that pressure to force the Democrats to do what they've promised to do. All right. We are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Being this close to the midterms, of course, Donald Trump is flapping his lips more than he usually does. He's all over the place, and he's talking bullshit wherever he goes. For example, the former president, Trump, has called for releasing everyone arrested for the January 6th insurrection last year at the Capitol. That would presumably include people like defendant Albuquerque Cosper Head. The fuck kind of name is that? Sentenced to last month to seven and a half years in prison for assaulting then-Metropolitan Police Officer Michael Fanone and dragging him into the mob where he was viciously, viciously beaten, threatened with his weapon, and attacked with a stun gun. Donald Trump says, let them all go. Declaring it was time to start treating January 6th protesters fairly. Anybody that had a television saw exactly what went on. Donald Trump's trying to tell us, don't believe what you see, believe what I'm telling you. It was just a protest. And, And the U.S. government is persecuting these poor people. Fuck that. These people are treasonous, they are terrorists, and they should be treated as such. Frankly, they haven't been treated rough enough, as far as I'm concerned. Now, Trump said in June at a Faith and Freedom Coalition in Nashville, Tennessee, that he would very, very seriously consider pardoning January 6th defendants if he's reelected, claiming that they had been treated unfairly. You notice that, 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 that quote, Very, very seriously. He also just had a quote recently, and I'm very, 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 very probably going to do it, meaning running for president. We'll talk more about that in a second. He says, if I become president someday, I'll be looking at them very, very seriously for pardons. Trump also claimed in a radio interview in September that he has been financially supporting some January 6th defendants, whom he called incredible. He emphasized again that he would um, look very favorably, favorably at full pardons with an apology. The U.S. government should apologize to fucking terrorists. Does that make any sense? Well, Trump called for the release of the January 6th inmates in a lengthy post gloating about the acquittal of billionaire pal Tom Barack, an informal campaign advisor and chair of his 2017 inaugural committee on charges that Barack was working as an unregistered agent of the United Emirates. Trump said the acquittal greatly set the radical left back and could be the beginning of our breakaway from communism. You remember this guy, Tom Barack? 
He was involved in the inaugural. He was connected to the Saudis. Uh, He's a billionaire. So I wonder how he got off. I don't know his case at all, but if he's tied to Donald Trump, he's a fucking piece of shit. And so he got off. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Trump also called in the post for the release of Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips, leaders of the right-wing conspiracy group True the Vote, who were jailed earlier this week in Texas for contempt of court when they refused to provide details of their activities in a civil suit. Yeah, Donnie's never going to be president again, and uh, he's fucked. The Department of Justice announced Friday that more than 880 people have been arrested in nearly all 50 states for crimes related to the breach of the U.S. Capitol aimed at overturning the certification of Joe Biden's victory. More than 270 individuals were charged with assaulting or impeding law enforcement, the the statement noted. Yeah, but Donald Trump's going to pardon all 880 of them because they were mistreated. I mean, that in itself should be enough to know you don't want Donald Trump back in power in any way. You don't want the Republicans back in power in any way. It's just not a good thing for this country. In fact, it will be the destruction of this country if the Republicans get power and Donald Trump becomes president again. At that point, not not November 9th. People are thinking, our democracy's gone November 9th if the Republicans win. Yeah, no. Don't don't worry about that. I mean, it's not going to be a good thing. It's going to cause some problems. But we got two years with Joe Biden as president, and we will more than likely keep the Senate. So it'll be balanced. The, the main thing that will happen is nothing will get done. You know, they're talking about impeaching Joe Biden. Joe Biden says, go ahead, give it a try. I don't fucking care because it would never go. They got to have something to impeach him over and they have nothing. And even if they do try to impeach him, it's not going to go through the Senate any more than Donald Trump's went through the Senate. So nothing will happen. It's just a it's just a big effort in futility. So. Anyway, he's going to let them all go if he becomes president. I don't think that's going to be a pretty sight. If they were to be put back on the streets, I'd hate to be them because there's going to be people looking for them. Now, Donald Trump obviously never really left the public eye after losing the White House. The former president continues to have these rallies and rallies for what? He's not on the ballot. Well, strictly to grift money from his people. Now, following the midterms, though, it is expected that Trump will announce a 2024 White House bid. But instead of consolidating power, it's likely that he will go after people from his own party. Yeah, because people will be stepping away from him, especially if the Democrats win in the midterms. Nobody's going to want to be associated with Donald Trump. Donald Trump won't have power anymore, certainly not in the Republican Party. But you know what he's going to do, assuming he's not in jail. He's going to be ranting and raving and talking about Mitch McConnell and all the people that betrayed him, or at least in his mind thought... Uh, betrayed betrayed him, and it's just going to fracture the Republican Party. So that's a good thing. So I hope the Democrats win. Donald Trump announces he's running for president because he thinks that will protect him. It will not protect him. He will still be indicted. 
but it'll just create a shit show around the Republican Party, making it virtually impossible to do anything when 2024 comes around. Now, some of the GOP strategists recently told Politico that Trump's first target will be Ron DeSantis. See, he may be in agreement with Ron DeSantis on many policies and ideologies, but Donald Trump doesn't like competition. He doesn't like people stealing the uh, the attention away. And Ron DeSantis certainly does this. And guess what? He's got a nickname for Ron DeSantis. We'll get to that in a moment. The report notes that Trump will be appearing at a rally in Florida this weekend and did not invite the governor to the event. They did not invite Ron, which I do think was stupid, he said. Why not try and avoid the appearance of a fight. But in their defense, I don't know that he would have come even if he was invited. Yeah, you got two egomaniacs, two narcissists. They aren't going to coexist in close quarters. It's just not going to work. Now, DeSantis' aide explained Trump cannot help himself, and Ron knows that. So I think what you've seen in him is him strategically take jabs without taking direct jabs at Trump. Ron's very smart. Whatever he does, he's going to be calculated and diligent about it. Now, the uh, strategist uh, closed, Trump is Dr. Frankenstein coming to Florida and trying to kill the monster that has gotten out of control. It's a fight over control. I think uh, he has picked his enemy. In his mind, they're running against each other. Well, of course he is. Anybody that is going to compete with him for the uh, to be the candidate for the Republican Party for the 2024 uh, presidential election. He's going to hate, and he's going to do whatever he can to tear them down, which, again, will impact the Republican Party. But as I've said before, Donald Trump is way too presumptuous to think that he'll be in a position to run for the presidency in 2024 is absolutely ridiculous. He may not be able to legally run. That would take him out. His health is an issue. And as I've said before, if the midterms don't go very well for the Republicans and all of Donald Trump's endorsees don't win, then all of a sudden Donald Trump isn't worth shit to anybody and he'll be kicked to the curb. That's what's going to happen. If Donald Trump doesn't deliver on this election... He is worth nothing. He does nothing but cause chaos and destruction within his own party. Many of these people are dying to get rid of him. They're afraid if they do get rid of him now that it's going to cost them votes and money, and maybe that's true. But the moment he becomes unimportant, inconsequential, or not helpful in the efforts of the Republican Party, he will be fucking gone. Now, of all the hints, innuendo, and taunts from Donald Trump uh, by suggesting he's running for president in 2024, perhaps, none have been as definitive as the fact that he's now mocking potential primary opponents. And he singled out, of course, Ron DeSantis, and he took a light swipe at Senator Ted Cruz while he was at it which probably won't even phase Ted Cruz. I mean, Donald Trump told him that his wife was ugly. Now, if he's taking a swipe at Ted Cruz, this fucking sycophant will still kiss Donald Trump's ass. 
Now, during his remarks in Latrobe, Pennsylvania on Saturday, Trump brought up his poll numbers, saying they're the highest he's ever had. Not true. Directing the crowd's attention to the screen, he covered various poll results, starting with the possible 2024 nominees. We're winning big, big, big in Republican Party for the nomination like nobody's ever seen before. I love that phrase. He uses it for everything. And then Trump showed these numbers, which were no doubt faked or embellished. And uh, he goes on, there it is, Trump at 71, Ron DeSanctimonious. <laughs> He's already thrown the nicknames in there. Ron DeSanctimonious at 10%, said Trump, to almost no crowd reaction, swatting at DeSantis before taking a shot at former VP Mike Pence. Mike Pence is at 7. Oh, Mike Pence doing better than I thought. He also solicited some booing from the crowd for former Republican Liz Cheney. And then he got to Cruz. He says, Ted Cruz is doing a good job, by the way. He didn't like me for a while, but we got to be good friends. Could have put him on the Supreme Court, said Trump. If I'd put him on the Supreme Court, you know, the nicest thing with Ted, because he's, you know, a tough cookie and he's controversial. If I'd put him on the Supreme Court, I would have had 100% of the people in the Senate voting in favor to move him out. Even the Democrats would have voted for him. Okay, but he's great and he's smart and he's good. He's basically saying what Al Franken said. And you remember that quote I gave you, Al Franken says, I like Ted Cruz more than most anybody in in the Senate, and I fucking hate Ted Cruz. Now, at this point, Cruz and DeSantis have the broadest appeal among the Trump's core MAGA voters. If Donald Trump weren't in the mix, they'd be all over Cruz and DeSantis. Now, there's no other rationale required to explain this. The psychology isn't too complex with Donald Trump. These are candidates who can hurt him. He wants to isolate and destroy them now before they get any stronger. He doesn't want them competing when he gets closer to the election. But again, it's all very presumptuous. Donald Trump is not going to run in 2024. He won't be allowed to run or the Republicans won't want him. So (laughs) all this is is an effort in futility. Donald Trump wants us to believe he's going to run for president, and uh, it's not going to happen. Now, DeSantis has something that Trump tries to lay claim to, but has a hard time selling, a popular and successful career. Now, Trump's nickname for people are something in which he takes great pride for some reason. He designated Cruz Lion Ted which you'd think would be a top selling point for wouldn't be a top selling point for a Supreme Court justice, but that's the frame he used to insult Cruz on Saturday. I was going to make him a Supreme Court justice, but I call him lying Ted. You see, Donald Trump doesn't care who's on the Supreme Court. He doesn't respect the credibility of the court. He just wanted his guys in, and that's what he got with the three he put on the Supreme Court. These people are neither qualified or or credible enough to be on the Supreme Court, yet he put them on there. And then, of course, he, he, he mentioned Ron, and he called him Ron DeSanctimonious. 
And I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised that Donald Trump even knows the definition of sanctimonious or that he's able to spit that out and, and pronounce it correctly. Donald Trump has a little trouble with words. He told us he has all the best words, but he's apparently been saving them because he's got all the same little phrases he uses, like never before, and they're always so fucking lame. Now, slapping the governor as being elitist, highbrow, or has someone trying to act superior to Trump. Trump is always going to be a key strategy against DeSantis for Trump. He wouldn't be able to spar with DeSantis on policy because he doesn't know fuck all about policy. All right, let's talk about uh, the DOJ. Now, there's a former federal prosecutor and current MSNBC legal analyst, Glenn Kirshner. I listen to him a lot, mostly on TikTok, oddly enough, not on TV and not on the radio. Uh, But he was commenting about General Merrick Garland's Justice Department considering appointing a special counsel to take over their investigation of former President Donald Trump. And I think one of the reasons they're saying this is they feel they may need to do that if, in fact, he does run for president. You know, again, Merrick Garland just trying to stay away from any improprieties. But Kirshner, and I I have to agree with him, that's crazy. You've already done these investigations. You've already gotten this far. By putting a, a special counsel in there, all that does is cause delay. Like Kirshner said, you put a special counsel in there, it could be two years before anything comes down on Donald Trump for indictment. So why does that make any sense? The longer he's out there talking, the more damage he can do this country. We need some quick action. We need something happening right after the midterms and stop fucking around. They haven't said they are going to do it, but there's been these little hints and rumors about it. And that is a fucking dumb idea. Kirshner went off over reporting this week that Trump potential candidacy has prompted DOJ officials to discuss appointing a special counsel to avoid the appearance of conflict. No, you can't do that. This shit's too dangerous and too important to this country. If we now appoint a special counsel, that will delay matters by many, many, many months. Now, you need to put an entire new team together, get them up to speed on the investigation that has been conducted thus far, and then let them launch their own investigation. Look at how well that turned out with Mueller, right? So I'm completely on board with with Glenn Kirshner on this. There's absolutely no need for a special counsel. Kirshner goes on to say, I mean, there are thousands, thousand reasons to dislike the appointment of a special counsel at this point. If it was going to be done, it should have been done on, I don't know, January 7th or as soon as Merrick Garland was confirmed. This drives me crazy. The inaction of our Department of Justice, when there are violations of law that we could prove beyond a reasonable doubt in our sleep against Donald Trump, and we're not doing it. And I will agree. I'm not sold that they're really looking at a uh, special counsel. I think after the midterms, a lot of things are going to happen. And once one thing happens, the shit is going to fly. 
And I still think that Fonnie Willis may be the first one to indict Donald Trump. We know that Fonnie Willis is laying back until after the elections. She's got a lot of evidence. She's got an audio tape with Donald Trump's voice on it. She's had a grind jury working for quite a while. She may be the first. And as I've told you before, it doesn't matter where the indictment comes from. One indictment will set everything in motion, derail Donald Trump, and take him out of the consideration for 2024. I'm just saying, one indictment, that's all we need. And if Merrick Garland is going to be too big a pussy to do it, well, then Fonnie Willis will step up and do it. Or any number of other possibilities. you got to remember the DOJ is looking at Donald Trump for a couple of things. For the top secret documents and, of course, the January 6th uh, insurrection. I find it hard to imagine that Merrick Garland would do the special counsel, delay it for two years. And guess what two years from now is? Two years from now is November of 2024. Well, that's weird. That's the presidential election. And then they'll say, well, we can't do anything till after the election. And then if a Republican wins the presidency, then we're fucked again. I, I just don't believe Merrick Garland's even going to do that. That just makes no fucking sense. No fucking sense at all. All right, the last thing we're going to talk about is that ever popular topic, the new Twitter and Elon Musk. I got to tell you, everything I've seen about this, if he's some crazy genius, I'm not seeing it because it seems like he fucking fucks up at every turn. Now, Twitter, of course, has this new option allowing allowing users to get or keep a blue check verification badge on their account for a monthly fee of $8, and they've already instituted it. Social media platform description in the App Store was updated on Saturday, confirming the new owner, Elon Musk's greatly dreaded and or highly anticipated proposal is now a reality. I told you this. He fires a bunch of people, there's no oversight, and he institutes this cost for a blue check right off the bat. Right off the fucking bat. Blue check mark, uh, power to the people, your account will get a blue check mark just like the celebrities, companies, and politicians you already follow, the description reads. Initial reports suggest that there could be a $20 a month charge to users, but must quickly lower that and suggested an amount of $8 as users like uh, Stephen King kicked and screamed. The new update confirms the monthly charge will be $7.99. Now, Twitter's description promises other coming changes, including half the ads and much better ones, as well as the ability to post longer videos and a priority ranking for quality content. Well, who is making the determination of the quality of the content? Now, you said your content will get priority ranking in replies, mentions, and searches. This helps lower the visibility of scams, bam, and bots. Does it really? Now, as I've told you before, as I've told you before, as much as he's trying to grift money by charging for this blue check, 
because there's no oversight, well, then that leaves open the door. And I'll bet you by the time you hear this podcast, there will have been people who have done this. Said, here's my eight bucks. Give me a blue check. Oh, by the way, I'm Elon Musk or Joe Biden or Donald Trump or whoever the fuck, Matthew McConaughey. That's not going to lend itself very well to the credibility of Twitter. And Twitter's credibility is fucking shot right now. It is absolutely shot. Now, it's interesting because of what's going on with Twitter and all the outrage that Elon Musk is creating, a couple of things have happened. In the first 24 hours after he took it, a million people fled from Twitter. Now, when you've got three or four hundred million users, a million's not a lot, but a million in 24 hours, it is kind of a lot. And you can expect more and more people to vacate Twitter, which is not going to be helpful to them. But the one thing that seemed to really piss off um, Elon Musk is that a lot of advertisers, a lot of advertisers have said, fuck it, take us off for now. We got to see how this is going to go because we're not liking the things we're hearing out of Elon Musk. Now, one week after Elon purchased Twitter for about $44 billion, he took to social media platform to complain about a massive drop in revenue, apparently due to his purchase. Now, he's supposed to be a free speech advocate. He blamed activist groups pressuring advertisers to basically use their free speech rights elsewhere, claiming free market capitalism to be extremely messed up, and they're trying to destroy free speech in America, Musk tweeted. Well, I don't see it the way that way. I don't see uh, that they're trying to fuck up free speech. They just don't want to be aligned with or tied to or associated with uh potentially racist, potentially authoritarian, a potentially fascist group like Twitter. And this is a sad day for Twitter. I know a lot of people who have been on Twitter for a long time have counted on it, who've looked at it every day, used it every day, use it as a platform for whatever reason. Now they basically got somebody taken over the property and they're going to run it into the fucking ground. I mean, I understand what it's like to have built something on a platform and put the time and effort into it and we're reaping the benefits from it in terms of attention. But then if all of a sudden somebody comes in and makes it not cool to go to or loses followers or loses money, it feels like all the work you put in is all for naught because this fuck up at the top is doing everything he can to screw it up. Elon Musk talks about free speech. Okay, you can talk about free speech. Well, tell me how free speech comes into play when you post some conspiracy theories about Paul Pelosi. He took it down because he realized, shit, I fucked up. But he is the owner of the company. He's the sole owner of the company. It used to be a publicly traded company, but now he's the sole owner, so he gets to make all the choices. And to be perfectly honest with you, looking at the choices he's made over the years, I don't trust the motherfucker. I don't like him. 
I think he's an opportunist. Opportunist. I think he's greedy. I think he's a narcissist. And I don't think he has, has the best interest of the country in mind. He certainly doesn't have the best interest of the people who are, are um, using Twitter. And people are starting to get that feeling. All of a sudden, it's not going to be cool to be on Twitter anymore, and they'll migrate someplace else. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or whatever else new is coming up. Because that's the one thing you can count on over and above anything else. There's always going to be the new best thing. TikTok has kind of been the new best thing. But even TikTok will go by the wayside at one point or another and something else will come in and be just as successful. And after that, there'll be something else. Technology is changing every day. Twitter's been around longer or as long as anybody else. It's got a shelf life. It's going to go by the wayside. It just so happens their owner is going to speed up that eventuality. And that's a sad thing for the people who count on and love Twitter because he's making it, he's turning it into a shit show and it's just not going to work out well. He's crying and whining about the advertising going away and he's blaming it on somebody else. But let's be honest, Elon, it's you. It's the shit you say, the shit you do. You come in and fire half the staff making Twitter basically like the Old West few days before the midterms. We can't help but look at that and say, you're playing some game here. Now, of course, Elon can afford to lose $44 billion, and that's a good thing because he likely will. It's going to be interesting to see how Twitter goes. Now, people think Elon Musk is a brilliant guy, and maybe he is, but does he really have a plan to fix Twitter and make it better? Well, I'm not as smart a guy, but I don't see it. I don't see how you tear it down just to build it up better. Like I say, by the time you build it up better, something bigger, better, and more efficient will come along. In fact, I've heard Jack Dorsey, the gentleman that created Twitter, is working on something now. And you can bet it's far advanced as to what Twitter is going to do. Any improvements that Elon Musk thinks he's going to do with Twitter will probably be done in the next incarnation of an app by Jack Dorsey. Elon Musk might be smart, and he might be smart in some areas, but when it comes to apps, I don't think he's smarter than Jack Dorsey. And I think Jack Dorsey at this point, while he's got plenty of money and never has to do anything again, I have to think there's a little bit of, I don't know, revenge or a little competitive edge there. I'd put my money on Jack Dorsey and not Elon Musk. I don't have high hopes for Twitter. I don't know what's going to happen. And because I'm not a big-time user, I'm not worried about it. But I know a lot of people who do use it every day, and I'm concerned for them, and I'm sad that they're put in a position where they're dealing with an app that they've trusted and loved for all these years, and the owner of this country, a company, is doing everything he can to fuck it up for them. I'm sorry about that. Anyway, we are going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to sit and listen. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.